Welcome to An Uneducated Guess. Where three nobodies from the PCA sit around and talk. What do you get when you put together a layman, a seminarian, and a ruling elder? You get an uneducated guess. Welcome to the show. I'm Presby Bard, and with me as always this week is at Gerhardus B. Say hello. Hello. How's it going? Doing well. Also this week, at Bourbon Ghost, the one and only. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Good evening. I'm good. I'm good. You guys doing okay? Doing good. Well, we have another special guest with us this week, an uneducated guest, number two. It's uh, the late, great, well, you're not late, the great, it sounds like something you should say with the word great, you know, just the great at Unlimited Hawk. How you doing? It's not the Unlimited Hawk, is it? No. Just, okay. No. Just making sure. Unlimited Hawk. So it can we be don't have enough it, listeners. You're not going to get any followers. Yeah, it could be anyway. whatever you want it to be. <laughs> I appreciate that. What, uh, you know, okay. What's your so, preferred pronoun? <laughs> full full disclosure <laughs> for the podcast. Uh, I do not know you at all. No. Literally. No. I this don't. is the first time that Gerhardus and I have ever met you before. That's right. Was this evening? I don't know how much you want to bourbon. You want to reveal that you know a sure, yeah. talk. Uh, we went to high school together. We went to junior college together, and we went to regular college together. Yep. So we've known each other for a pretty good while. Pretty much twenty years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So are you in the same generation as Bourbon Ghost? Or? We are Zennials. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. I didn't want to bring it up. Technically, technically, we're we are elder millennials, but uh, <laughs> I, that's fine. We're we're older millennials, elder millennials, like but we you know it's we identify as millennials. You right. know, I will say it, I thought about this after the fact. I wish I thought of it when it happened. You had told R. Scott Clark during the Y two K thing. You said, "I don't remember that. I was six. Yeah, and I was like, "Well, you know who does remember it? Because I was eighteen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember it. Yeah, yeah. You weren't eighteen. I was yeah sixteen. Sorry. Okay. Either way. Close enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember it. Oh, yeah. I remember it. It was a weird Very thing. Well. Yeah. Yeah. That that really has always bugged That pissed me off. We talked that, about this in our, in our text thread. thread. Yeah. Oh, it, it just really angers me because, like, it, when people are like, oh, see the Y2K people, it's like, man, you just don't understand, like, even what the people who were involved in it. Mm-hmm. It's not that crazy. No. It was not that crazy to go buy food, land. People was no. giving all the the sob stories. But even that, like what he's accusing specifically uh, yeah, Gary uh, North about, making people all he go did buy was say, like, "Hey, man, this could be a real deal." He was not wrong about that. No, yeah, it so, really so could have been. This guy accused another uh, Presbyterian pastor of being a false prophet <laughs> because he said Y2K was going to happen and we should prepare. Got gotcha. you. A right. false prophet. Right. It's like, <laughs> it's a, like com- a computer code. Yeah, it's issue. like if yeah. I were to say. I, my prediction is that Trump will win the election and then Biden yeah. wins. That doesn't make me a false prophet. Right. It means I got to, pr- like, this is not, that's not a prophecy. Like, it's a prediction. It's a pretty totally, harsh language. Yeah, like, that's such a, well, it's obvious what he's out well, for. You what's know, interesting just, is Y2K, canceling. Y2K was actually real. And there was, <laughs> yeah, exactly. there was, there was a group of people that, that, uh, worked, it. yeah, hours, you know, on end to actually fix the problem. Yeah. And they have told us about this. To the point where they said, I kind of wish it had failed. We had failed just so people would know how bad it was going to be. Yeah. Okay, there are two things that I want to make sure we get <laughs> Can to. Can you imagine how bitter they are? <laughs> no recognition. Oh, so mad. Seriously. There are two things I wanted to make sure to get to in the intro and get your thoughts on. So I'm, we're going to run through these. Sorry, I'm kind of dominating the intro, but it's been on my mind. Okay, first of all, 
is this Nancy Pelosi story. Okay, so, you know, for people who don't know, you don't know Gearheart? I don't. Been too hard at work, student, pastor, yeah. right? Uh, Nancy Pelosi got caught on video going into the salon during the lockdown, right, with no mask on and all this kind of stuff. So big story, right? Huge thing. See, she doesn't even abide by the laws that she puts out for her own people. She doesn't even abide by them. All these people are like, oh, we got her this time. And then Pelosi comes out and just completely, she doesn't even deny it. She's just like, she just says, like, it was a setup. They try to, set, she blames it back on the salon, that, like, the <laughs> salon was setting her up and all this kind of stuff. And then still the conservative people will, like, retweet it. See, she doesn't care about you. She's just blaming it back on the salon. And guess who's not talking about it anymore four days later? Anyone. Mm-hmm. Do you know why? Because that is how the right needs to respond to attempted at being canceled. Do yep. not apologize. Yep. Like, this is the game mm-hmm. that the left has been playing for 40 they years They never now. apologize for anything. No, and mm-hmm. that's why they're winning. Obama never apologized for anything. And this is one of the first, like, anybody who looks at that story and is like, we got her on tape, we got her now, this is going to be the one, doesn't understand how the world works. No, there's right no now. apology that's going to ever be good enough, mm-hmm. yeah. no matter what you do. Even how innocent it would be. It's just it's never enough. Explicitly do not apologize. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, you should blame them yeah. as much mm-hmm. as you can. But your typical neocon is can, is apologizing all the time. Neocon and like big Eva member. Yeah. Well, let me ask oh, you yeah. this. Did you care if she went and did you even care? That no. Exactly. No. Most of the people in the country are just like us. And we didn't care. Yeah. So, no. so you know, well the people making the, the big fuss out of it, who's she really not apologizing to? Because I didn't care. Well, that the point is though the, that's the way that it, it becomes not a story, right? Yeah, you know because she doesn't care whether anybody cares, but what they care about is the publicity. You know, for whatever mm-hmm. reason, the way you make the publicity go away is to not apologize. Yeah, right. I mean that's the, that's just how you do it because it's the same thing. Like you don't give an interview. You know, like if this were a local, if you were a local business and you like did something that was starting to stir up controversy, and like the newspaper calls and wants to talk to you about it or the local news station, you do not give an interview. It's a one hundred percent going to be a hit piece yeah. every time. Like, do not do it. But this this week there was a. And I don't. I've, I'm saying this. I don't care about the band, but it was interesting. It's kind of an example of, of why you shouldn't apologize. Was it the Shins? Twenty One Pilots. Okay. What did they do? So apparently, the one of the lead singers. I don't know how many are in there, but they for the last few months, his fans have been clamoring for him to make some sort of statement on everything that's going on. Because apparently, now these days, if you're not making a statement, if you're not it's not enough to no longer just be not racist. You're signing the problem. You have to be, yeah, virulently anti-racist. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't been. He's just been not saying anything. So they've He's been just asking been regular him. regular not racist. Yeah, which, yeah. Uh, they've been asking him to use his platform for the longest time. And I think two days ago he tweeted something out. Um, and I only saw this because it was trending. He tweeted out a picture of himself wearing platform shoes and said, uh, you guys have been asking me to use my platform. Here, the, here it is. And like it was planned, like he actually had something he was going to say too. People got so pissed, amazing, so That's pissed. Awesome. And then ten minutes later, like he had this like twenty tweet thread Ugh. where he talked about uh, Ugh, suicide it- and depression. And, like he actually was using. He was like, "I'm gonna, I'll use my platform." Sure. He talked about we've all been inside for so long. People are sad. People are depressed. Let's let's raise awareness for these uh, hotlines. You can call, reach out, talk to somebody. And they were still mad at him because it wasn't the right platform. And he apologized. He apologized for the picture. He, he and even the, the suicide stuff. He's like, I realize now wasn't the right time to talk about this. 
now's not the right time to talk about suicide. Yeah. Like it's just, it's never enough. It's never enough. Mm-hmm. They, even though he came out and apologized for like three different things, he, they're still trying to cancel him. Yeah. It's like, it's like what, what Lady Annabellum did, which was, yeah. they totally made the right move for their own career. You know, they got woke and changed their name to Lady A. Turns out, you know, that was like some, some blues like singer, yeah, black, something like, like blues that. lady singer that has been Lady A for a long time. They were just like, nah, screw it. We're taking the name. Yeah. <laughs> and they did. And they, they still have the name. They do not care, you know, and so they didn't even get canceled by their own people for like doing the thing that they said they were trying to not do, right. you know. Yeah, it's funny that they didn't, yeah, they didn't even, uh, they almost got canceled for doing it. Yeah. And, you That's know, actually a good then, point. Right. They almost got canceled for doing it. And then when it came down to the actual money of it, they were like, no, nah, I'm keeping that in my Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's yeah. what I'm saying. It's right. like the genius move. And now nobody but the left, cares. Just to yeah, prove more. your point that the left doesn't do the same when the Dixie Chicks back in the day. You know, with George W. Bush, yeah. you know, they weren't apologetic. No. Yeah. Pushing their. Exactly. Yeah. And it worked for them just fine. Yep. Because yeah. nobody, nobody cares about your, their no. opinion. So I mostly say that to say that, like, this is exactly what the right, you know, needs. To, and, and the right is waking up to this. But mostly, like, conservative bros, they've got to understand, like, this is the way the game is played. So mm-hmm. if you, and this is, of course, why I think we're headed towards, you know, some pretty, like, probably massive unrest, violence, you know, not good things with the combination of basically this election being a lose-lose situation. Mm-hmm. Like both 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 people's camps are going to feel like no matter who won that it the election legitimate. was a scam. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's really kind of a rare thing in this country's history and its young history is that the, the election le- like actually being illegitimate, you're mm-hmm. viewed as illegitimate, and that's pretty much what it takes anywhere for massive, you know, unrest to take place. And so, but all that to say, this is how the game is played, so don't don't apologize. Never apologize. Actually, double down yeah. when given the opportunity. Yeah, battle but, lines are being drawn. Yeah, the problem with when the right tries to turn the tables is they're always so lame about it. They are <laughs> okay because I mean, well, the go, old right, right, with the boomers and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's it's the the bad Facebook yes. meme type yes. joke. When they try to do it, it's super lame. Yeah, and it's just not cool. The new right is much better. And the yeah. old and the, the new a good left example is, is like more when like Ted the Cruz, old right when Ted Cruz the left can't to, mean. right. Ted Cruz is not that bad. Well, the new well, he's not that bad politically, but I mean, he's no, no, I'm not talking. Uh, I'm, okay, no, I hate no, him. Politically. He's cringy. I'm no, I'm saying what I'm saying. He's cringe. He is just cringy when he's trying to be when he tries to embrace the alt right or like meme culture. You I can tell it's just so it. it's just so fake. Yeah, yeah. What, what I mean is that like now the left. The, the modern left, the new left, is much more like the boomer oh, right. Absolutely, absolutely. They can't meme. They don't. Right. Nothing's, and that's they're why miserable. they're starting to lose. Right. Yeah. Why they did win, and now why they're starting to lose is because the reason they won is because they were fun first yep. and yep. foremost. Yep. And the right, the new right, is is fun now. Like right. they're having a good time. There's while nothing know. fun about being on the left right now. No, well, I think it was Bill Maurer that made that point. Actually, mm-hmm. Bill Maurer, you know, because he's he's of that classical Democrat, nineties yeah. Democrat, yeah. Uh, liberal, liberal, specifically. liberal specifically, and that you know you could go and you could have fun, you could have a joke, you could go on college campus, you can have all these conversations, and 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 uh, you had this Bob Dole. Uh, moral majority going on, mm-hmm. and they were lame. Yeah, lame, and it, it is some. And somehow, in twenty five years, it has completely flipped to where the left is the moral majority. Well, at least they're, they're yeah. acting the cons- like they're more. The conservatives are the punk rockers. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and, and because you're yeah. you're so you're going against you're going against the mainstream by being on the right and by being funny. Because and by you, being funny, I mean the way the way PC culture has worked out. Like I don't remember the girl's name, but there was a stand up comedy special she had on Netflix a few years ago or a year ago where it was just her talking about 
one time when she was abused, and it, there there was no jokes. It was yeah, little, that, that's disgusting. It was actually that's advertised that's as a stand-up comedy. I'm not a man-hater, but I'm afraid of men. If I'm the only woman in a room full of men, I am afraid. And if you think that's unusual, you're not speaking to the women in your life. I don't hate men, but I wonder how a man would feel if they'd have lived my life. Like, she's on stage crying, and they mean, like, this isn't... Like it's fine if you want to do this, yeah. But this isn't comedy, (laughs) right? And 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 so many comedians have basically that would have been comedians have just said, "I'm just going to start talking right wing politics and be funny this way." Yeah. And so now you've got two or three guys with YouTube channels that everybody loves. Yeah, Andrew Schultz, I think's kind of the big one right now. That he's just yeah. Yeah. And it's it's funny. And when and when I watch his stuff, I don't feel like I'm watching somebody who's on the right. I just feel like I'm watching a guy who's just got common sense and it's like that's what comedians do they they point out hypocrisy and they twist mm-hmm. it and they show you and they make funny points about it and stuff so it that has become the new punk rocker and it's it's funny that it's how it's like I said the left has become this moral majority that the right was back in the 90s and stuff it's completely flipped and so much of the new right is the old left I mean yeah. people that absolutely. have literally switched sides yeah, to be, to make up the new right except they're much more devoted religiously than the right wing was of the 90s the new liberal mm-hmm. is much more devoted oh, oh, than the gotcha. 90s yeah. moral majority Christian yeah probably so <laughs> okay and then the other thing I wanted to bring up was uh, Bourbon your appalling takes of Terrence Malick What's up with that? Does anybody else here, has anybody else here watched any Terrence Malick? I don't even know who you're talking about. It's a director, filmmaker. Filmmaker. Yeah. Name some of the films. Yeah. Uh, the Thin Red Line. It's probably his most famous. Um, Tree of Life. Badlands. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've never the, new, the New World. I to the, the Wonder. Yeah, I know the, none of the new ones that y'all have watched, like Song of Songs, Night of Cups. I think uh, I tried to watch the Tree one. Which, what, what was Tree it? of Life. Yeah, I didn't care for it. Okay. That pretty much tells me everything I need to know. <laughs> That's good. That that makes sense, though. I would have predicted that. I don't, I'm going to get I, super I, snooty. I could be thinking of something totally... I, I don't care. I could be thinking <laughs> of something totally care. different. I have no idea. He's, but I think he's, he's very odd because he, he always manages to get massive movie stars to work with him. And he'll do this thing like kind of famously with the thin red line. Adrian Brody filmed the entire movie as the lead. And then in post... Malik realized I don't really like his story. I'm just going to cut his lines down to basically nothing. And Adrian Brody had no clue of this until he showed up to the premiere. And he's like, "Where am I at? I'm not even in the movie. I kind of like he was that, the star though. of the movie, and he's not even in it." Hmm. The reason, but see, don't, don't I don't my, know. My you don't take that as a you don't take that as a negative, do you? No, I think oh, that's okay. hilarious. I couldn't tell you what the movie's even about, so I may have not even seen it. The the, the reason the reason I found that a particular point that you brought up on Twitter interesting is because. Uh, to me, that should make you appreciate his greatness more because that's the exact argument you make for, uh, what's his name? Bonavere. Bonavere yeah. is that Justin? Vernon. Yeah, I mean, his stuff may not be all that good, but you say that he's a literal genius because of all the people that want to work with so him. So shouldn't that desire, mean you like Justin Vernon then? Huh? No, because Opposite. his stuff sucks. But the principle <laughs> stands. I'm not making that argument for Terrence Malick. I'm saying that's why the argument that you're making about Terrence Malick should be attractive. But to see, you. so uh, whose actually, take is what? I still don't know. You what, didn't see us on Twitter? No, I didn't see it. Whole thing, man. Yeah, we were talking to my the Twitter thread. My, 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 I, I posed the question of guys about this and everything. I posed the question of who is the greatest living filmmaker 
because the bourbon bets that I'm assuming they kind of got you on the topic right? yeah, yeah, the bourbon, yeah the bourbon bets guys you know uh blue haldy and uh i don't I even know i, I want to say quentin Tarantino, no, no, it's not but i'm just i know that's what i say because they you mix Brimstone. them up <laughs> see but you got me now you the you freudian you freuded me uh yeah uh brimstone deacon yeah anyway they had the one their one this week was top whatever uh christopher nolan movies okay and, I think Bourbon would put Christopher Nolan up near the top of living filmmakers, yeah. I'm assuming. Mainly mainly because, and I, I try to be specific when I say this, because there's a lot of directors who just direct. But there's very few directors who, who do all three, produce, write, and direct. So, like, people wanted to put Scorsese up there. He doesn't really write very much. So, I mean, he's a great director, one of the greatest living directors, probably top two I can't say who the best is. My favorite are the Coen brothers, probably. Really? I think so. Maybe Quentin Tarantino. I like a lot of his stuff. A little I have bit too no idea who directs a film that I like. Really? No. Some people, and that's perfectly fine. Like some yeah. people doesn't get don't get into this nerdy crap. But you you tagged me in it to get me even, or I probably oh, yeah. would have and even. And your take, and your take <laughs> was you don't totally. like it. You don't like it. What this? No, no, no. So he tagged me in a tweet that said some people, and he and he referenced me would say that Terrence Malick is the greatest living film mm-hmm. you know maker, and he knows that that's my probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. And then you said something like, like non-committal negative. It was it was genius troll on on your part because it left you with a, it it left you with enough ground to where you could say you do like him, but just enough to where you knew it would trigger me, like just enough negative where it would trigger somebody who really likes him. Like it was a great, which is why I totally played into it because it was you deserved it. Like you deserved to have my response on that because it was it was it was master level trolling. And then, uh, but. But then we eventually got to getting your real take on on Malik, and that's what I was talking yeah. about. Was he basically said that he doesn't ha- make good stories, mm-hmm. which is like I don't. It makes my ear, smoke comes your out. Your autism, ears. like trigger. yeah, like <laughs> yes, because it's like that's his that's his thing. Like it's, it's yeah, it's like, kind of like saying yeah, it'd be yeah. like saying you know Queen is pretty good, but their vocals are a little <laughs> yeah. are a little off. It's like well, that's the. That's the thing. Like they're a little too gay. Like, yeah, like Freddie Mercury's just a little too flamboyant for me. Yeah. You know, but it's like, well, that's pretty much you know what is. So it's like Terrence Malick's stories are his thing. Like, I mean, his aesthetic and stuff is is obviously he's known for that, and he's known for his like nonlinear story structure and all that. But like his story, the Tree of Life is literally the story of life. What? How can he not like the story of life? Well, I, I guess I guess who really did Memento just. Uh, my, Memento? The movie Memento. Was that? I'm sorry. Just to plug the Gold's Goats and Guns podcast, he, he was talking about... He was talking about... Never mind. Go ahead. Yeah. If you non, Non-linear... Nolan. It's Chris Nolan. Yeah, that's it why is. I'm it is. That's why I was laughing. Yeah, yeah. And it's a non-linear store, yeah. story. Yeah. yeah. That's why yeah. I was laughing. Sorry. I was like, yeah. it's Christopher Nolan. Okay. Yeah. Just, um, go ahead. No, so... And Malik is very strange, too, because he was like a like a up-and-coming going to be the biggest director of all time because he had the Badland, Badlands and I can't remember the name of the one after that, but it was like two almost like Stanley Kubrick-esque type movies that came oh, out. That's a good one too, Stanley Kubrick. And then he took a long break and then he kind of, once he came back, I think I think there was a break between that and The Thin Red Line. Oh yeah, he basically right? made like, he basically started making, he made like two movies in the 70s and then he basically started making one movie every like 12 years. Yeah. I think I'm going to watch The Thin Red Line. Yeah. Now. And then... And everybody was, all these actors are like lining up to get just yeah. the tiniest of parts. Like George Clooney is in Thin Red Line, like yeah. barely. Oh yeah, it's you know? it's crazy how many big actors are in his movies. 
Like uh, Sean Penn was pissed about the Tree of Life, yeah. even though he was in it. But like, it's the <laughs> it's great in the Tree of Life. Like Sean Penn's character is the main character, but it's like a, a back and forth in history. So like Sean Penn plays the okay. adult version <laughs> of a kid, and the kid is in it like way yeah. more. So like yeah. Sean Penn's character is kind of in there, but not Sean Penn. Yeah, <laughs> he. So, I could see Terrence Malley being like, Sean, that. you're going to be the main character. Yeah. But it's or like telling but him the, the character's going to Brad. Play Brad yeah. is the main character. You're playing Brad. And it's like, yeah, but, well, uh, what I meant to tell you was child Brad is the, is in the movie a lot. You're adult yeah. Brad. You're barely in the movie. <laughs> uh, and I, I've, I've seen a bunch of interviews with people who were in his movies. And one of the better ones is sort of uh, Christian Bale. He's in one of the, the his last couple that have come out. And basically what he would say was, this is the way Terrence Malick would direct a movie, was like, this scene is about you and this girl falling in love. Go. <laughs> What are my lines? <laughs> yeah. like, there's are none. You just go with it. You just kind of go. I'm going to do some voiceover. Don't worry yeah. about it. And and that's sort of, that's what I mean when it, he kind of plays jazz with his movies. He's like, they can end up being very visually interesting. Like the first 20 minutes of the tree of life is basically from uh, the big bang to the first life on earth. And it's just visually stunning. It's incredible. So I took a <laughs> This is like one of my greatest moments. You will appreciate this as a troll. So I took, I really wanted to go see the Tree of Life. It came out when I was in college. And there was this little theater. You know, you don't go see this at like, you know. Yeah. We used to go see it at like small theaters. And so there's this little theater in Tuscaloosa that was showing it. And I knew I was not going to be able to get any friends to go see this movie with me. So what I did was, is I told them, there's this new movie coming out with Brad Pitt and Sean Penn that are that's at the the you know the Alabama they were like oh wow that's kind of cool all right we'll go see, <laughs> we'll go see it and then they go see it and they walk out like seriously we got out of that movie they were like what was that what are you doing <laughs> I've seen why some movies you, like that why did you send us why are yeah, we at yeah. this movie it's like and it was it was amazing and of course I just love I was like speechless yeah. I was just yeah. like I don't want to talk to y'all for a while yeah, that I, is a good feeling I'm, I'm sorry that I did that to you but I did do it on purpose and then I just like I need to go home for a minute and think. But anyway, you know, I, I I really I never thought anything could top how riveting PCA talk is. <laughs> yeah, but I but this may have topped it. You don't like movie talk? What do you I like? I think it? this I think this definitely topped. What do you like, Hawk? I like a lot of stuff, man. Talk about whatever. Name one thing. Clearly not Terrence Malick. I should have picked song of the week, and he didn't even want to commit to that. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want to do it. Why he, not? I didn't want to get roasted. <laughs> Because because I because feel bad. Well, no, I don't care what you think. I know, he, <laughs> I know he's gonna roast me. Whatever, I, it doesn't matter if he loves the song. He's gonna roast me. I just I didn't want to to deal with that. Well, I think we picked a good one. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's a good segue to our yep. next segment. Let's go on to our song of the week. <laughs> All right, time for our song of the week this week. Per my request, thanks for indulging me, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we actually made reference to this song last week uh, whenever we were going through Nickel Creek. And since I go ahead and mention this band every week anyway in some shape or format, we might as well actually devote a song. We did do an album slightly about them, right? But we haven't done, you know, just a song focus. So if you don't know, all faithful listeners of the show would know already that the band I'm talking about is Manchester Orchestra. We decided to go over the song The River this week. So... I'll I'll kind of save my stuff since it's I I like them. Okay. Everybody knows everybody knows that I like them a lot and I like this song a lot. So what do you guys think about it? So I specifically had you in mind, yeah. Bourbon, with this song. Yeah. I thought this would be up your alley. I think I thought lyrically you would like it. I thought you'd like the vibe, yep. and I know you like Manchester Orchestra, but it's the older catalog. Yeah. So 
actually, and that's one of the things that kind of that kind of stuck out to me was that this is probably the song of theirs because I have heard some of their older things before. This is one of the songs, the older catalog of music that I do think I like the most of theirs. And one of the interesting things about it was, um, I guess because I did kind of come to Manchester Orchestra so late, this song kind of perfectly encapsulates um, why I think music is interesting and so much more powerful at times when you're younger versus when you're older. Because taking back Sundays this way for me, I know I've kind of talked about them before and how Manchester Orchestra reminds me of their older stuff kind of reminds me of why I like older taking back Sunday. Not that they remind me of taking back right. Sunday, but why they remind me of why I did. Right. Whereas, you know, when you're, when you're younger, you kind of want your generation to have a voice and you love these musicians and these bands who come along and you feel like they're giving you a voice and it doesn't matter if they're unpolished, you can, you see the talent and you see something that appeals to you and you fall in love with it. And when you're older, you can go back and listen to it and you can see sometimes that maybe you love them maybe more than you do now, but you still love them as much as you did then because you loved them then. Yeah. And a black mile to the surface is a perfect representation of how much talent you could tell that they had back then. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's so much more polished. Oh, no like doubt. the guitar yeah. parts, the voices, like everything about it. And you can see how this band has matured over time. And that's how a lot of like, if, if I go back and look and listen to taken back Sunday, you can see that same thing where like that very first album almost had like a wall of sound and the newer albums, his vocals are more crisp everything about it's just more polished. Mm -hmm. But this is one of those songs on their earlier stuff where I feel like I didn't get into them until later in life, but I, I still found a place that that song was incredible. Yeah. I love the way that the, the guitars, the best way I kind of describe it is it kind of feels like it's raining down. Yeah. Does that make the sense? Theme, the theme of the struggle, of course, is Yeah. Yeah. Prevalent. Just like super, you know, they obviously just went for this particular song, super crunch, yeah, distorted mm -hmm. kind of, uh, you know, uh, I guess, heavy you know i mean it's not not heavy by certain standards but i mean it's heavier yeah you know just sort of wall of sound for, for them yeah for them yeah. yeah but i think that it really fits with this is another another case where i mean it doesn't really matter to me like in some cases it matters if music is technically good or technically not good i mean that matters you know but also there are times where it doesn't it's like does it fit the what yeah. you're doing like what is the is the song fit and like this song is not one of their technically best songs i mean even in the whole album mean everything to nothing like i love a lot of their guitar tone the way they use tone is to me like kind of where they're at their best but not really in this song that's not really doesn't have that vibe but it just like fits yeah what he's going for lyrically and the feel of the song yeah you know and of course he even sings a little differently and it fits the way that he's yeah. supposed to you know yeah i actually whenever we do these and it's a song that i kind of either haven't heard much or I've never heard at all. I'll make my wife listen to it too. And when she heard this, she said, I hate this song, but I love what he's doing with it. If that makes sense. Like she said, I don't like the way he's singing, but I love, I love the way he's singing with what he's saying. Should I, I don't like it, but I understand it. Yeah. Almost. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess that's why I just, what it goes back to like, I don't, it doesn't, I don't care if it's technically good, if yeah. it's sung right. Like that, that makes me like it. Yeah. It, and it makes it good, in my opinion. It yeah. makes it like objectively good. It's like it neutral fits, milk hotel kind of. Yeah, regard. he's a good example. He's not always solid in his vocals, but the times that he nails it, he nails it like in yeah. the right way, you mm -hmm. know. But anyway, what'd you think about it? 
I loved it. Your hardest. I loved it. I thought Did it kind of reminded it me of the story. No, it reminded me of the story of uh, Jacob wrestling with God. Mm-hmm. The whole yeah. song is him wrestling yeah. with his faith. Pretty That's, much. Uh, I think. I think I've read him use that as a reference. That's the story that I feel like well, it's that's it. that it's, a, it's, it's definitely just an allusion to that yeah, story. He alludes to it. Yeah. And I think that's where he got his uh the theme for the song. And uh yeah, it's I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed singing along with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good. Singable you can song. like scream in the car with it. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a good one. Well, what let's about? let's go to our uneducated guest. You're a musician. It bored me to death. Did it really? <laughs> it did. How come? Boring. Is there just not enough? Going <laughs> well, on? I mean, that's a good boring. reason. If I, I I don't care what an artist has to say, and that that's a just, real shame. Well, that just because I only care about what I have to say. <laughs> oh, fair point. Fair, okay. I mean, it's a it's a fair position to hold. Right. Well, I mean, it's like I appreciate mean, your honesty. Yeah. I mean, that's just I'm and I'm weird like this. I listen to a lot of instrumental music. And that's how I've always I do been. too, and I get crap for that. Yeah, I, uh, I grew up, my influences, my earliest influences were actually, it's actually pretty funny. Do y'all remember Carmen? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Carmen oh, yes. and Gold City. Okay. Yeah. That <laughs> yes. was, my yeah. mom listened to all that kind of stuff, right? So that was like my earliest influences. Then my dad finally took over, thank God. First <laughs> tape he ever gave me was the Beatles, and it was a collection of their earliest stuff, and he gave me Janis Joplin. All right, well, my dad is super into the Almond Brothers. All right, so it transitioned from that to the Almond Brothers. And I've, you know, and Leonard Skinner, when I was into Almond Brothers and Leonard Skinner, that's when I was learning to play the guitar. And so I would sit there, and if you know anything about Almond Brothers music, a lot of their biggest songs don't have the first word in them. And so I got into this zone where I focused on, because I was trying to learn guitar, and the only reason I wanted to play guitar, I didn't care about playing for an audience, didn't care if anybody else ever heard it. I just wanted to play along with the CD right, and match what they were doing. So for literally years, I have sat in front of a stereo with my guitar and listened to just instrumental music and just tried to learn how to play what I was listening to. Okay, So that's probably where this comes in for me. I just don't have any type of connection to... Lyrics, I to guess. To lyrics. Yeah. And um, that's not to say that I don't appreciate somebody singing because... That's when an instrument. When there's exactly words is their poetry. Okay, so when somebody tells me that they're really into the lyrics, I'm like, okay, well you're just into poetry, essentially. Okay, when I listen to a song, um, you know, I I like the Almond Brothers. It's this big sound. You got two drummers, two guitarists, an organ, a bassist. I like Earth, Wind, and Fire. You know, it's like a ten-piece band it. with yeah, horns, great. everything else like that. So that's the kind of stuff that I'm into. That doesn't mean so that like over the top kind of in a way. Yeah, but you know, like the some of the best, and I believe your wife has talked about this before. Uh, uh, vocal harmony, okay. Everybody likes vocal harmony, right? I just I listen to essentially it's instrumental harmony, how they all work together. Yeah. Okay, and so you can have five instruments playing five different parts but it works mm-hmm. and that's what interests me and that's why i'm not interested in this song and this is something i probably should have warned y'all about ahead of time with him where anytime no, me like and it. sort of our other group of friends sit around and talk about music he just hates it he doesn't understand why <laughs> like why we're breaking down anything about it yeah because no. the, oh. and it's not the personal you can yeah, yeah. be into whatever you want to this is just i have the hardest time and I've, we've tried this for years yeah 
and I cannot get him to understand. My wife fully. doesn't. My, my wife will listen to a song for like three years and not know one lyric in the entire yeah. song. Yeah. Maybe that's. Well, know. see, and he was in a he was in a band, sort of. He was in a screamo band, and he hates screamo. But it gave him a chance to get on stage and play a guitar. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, that's why he did it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm coming from. So this this song in particular bored me to death because, technically speaking, and I'm not, I, I'm going to sound bougie here because I'm not some great musician or something, but coming from my point of view, it's not just, it's just not interesting. It's not something that I would actually want to learn to do myself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because so that's, that's not the point. Right. That's, that's, but that's where I'm coming from on that. Yeah. Like, I would hate to live that way. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. No, that's like, fine. That's because fine. like what what music is like what okay so like to me the people who can write good poetry are a dime a dozen. People who are good musicians are a dime a dozen. Like there's millions of people who can play things well. There's millions of people who can write things well. Like like that's not that impressive to me. You know like and this is I think I think I've mentioned this before why I'm so jealous of good artists that can write a song well, because like songs are so much more moving than speeches. Like, I think I can write a good speech, but nobody really cares, you know, but whenever something about music, if you put good poetry with good music or you put it in there and arrange it, like you're talking about the right way, it can be powerful. Just so much more powerful than, and so to me, that's what like, why I don't get that impressed. I've had this argument with people for years. It's like, people love like, Stevie Ray Vaughan. And it's like, oh, how can you not see how impressive he is? And it's like, uh, of course, yes, he is impressive. But like, there are millions of impressive guitarists, and some we don't even know, right? So right. Steve, we only know Stevie Ray Vaughan, even though he might be like the two millionth best guitarist of all time. But we don't know these other two million because they just didn't get the record deal. Mm-hmm. But like, what he does, you'd probably know that's not that hard. I mean, if he writes it. Oh, what he does? Yeah. Oh, it's very hard. Like it is and it there are, isn't. There are people, there's a lot of people that can copy it. Okay, yeah. The, uh, one thing that I appreciate is people who come up with it. Yeah. Okay. So what he, I mean, I can't play, I can play some of the stuff that he does, but I can't play it. There's something about it. You can play it note for note. Perfect example is John Mayer's song, Neon. Neon is like the holy grail of, of guitarists want to learn how to play that song. Right. It's so difficult. Right. And there are very accomplished guitar players who can kind of pick around on it, but nobody can play it like John Mayer. He's the only person in the world well, that there can are, play it like that. There are exceptions to this. There are Blues literal musicians like B.B. King. Like literal geniuses of, right. of mm-hmm. all these ilk, like vocalists or mm-hmm. instrumentalists of all kinds that like nobody will touch. And they'll always be great because they are in the very, very tip-top percent like it wouldn't matter what freddie mercury was saying mm-hmm. his vocals yeah. are so good yeah. so good you're gonna hear it and yeah. it's gonna be amazing like yeah. but nobody's freddie mercury right? do you stay in that genre that genre <laughs> very of, good of and classic rock like or that. do you like like blues and jazz well, or anything like that? most of the stuff that i listen to is older it's okay. not necessarily like i said i'll jump from earth wind and fire to the beatles but how do you feel about blues well i mean ja- i mean yeah. I, I grew up learning to play on the blues that's the Almond brothers yeah you know that's that's uh, my bread debatable. and butter the blues from a technical sense is extremely easy to play it's extremely easy because the the people that popularize the blues some of them didn't even have all six strings on their guitar right right okay and what's great about the blues and I'll go ahead and apologize to you <laughs> what's great about the blues is the lyrics <laughs> wait what's great about the blues totally is the lyrics because 
go listen to Robert Johnson. You and you're li- and you think that he's like supposedly the greatest soul to soul to the devil to be this great, you know, blues guitarist. It sounds like he's playing a string on a, on you know attached to a tin cup. Yeah, it's the way ter- he does it. It's terrible. The soul in his voice. Yeah, no, and, I agree and what with he's you. Actually, it, 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 in that instance, yeah, I'll have to agree with you that this the the lyric, the blues, is different in that way. Because you don't have the blues unless you... you They're also you simple, lyrics, okay? simple lyrics. Simple lyrics. <laughs> yeah, but that's the same like, thing so, with good music. No, All because good I'm pretty music sure comes the Manchester pain. Orchestra guy didn't go through some <laughs> like, the, like Robert Johnson did. No, he is. So, no, you he know, is. Like, so when I'm no, hearing no, 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 him no, no, crying no, no, no. on a song, I just don't care. You're totally wrong. You're just totally... This is a I think horrible you take. This. This is a, I may be wrong. This is the coldest take I've ever heard. I'm going to stick to it. Well, I, and I, and listen. So the Manchester the record, Orchestra I grew up in the Mississippi <laughs> Delta with not a penny to his name, walking to the, to the dirt roads in his bare feet, of, and of, it was so desperate that he sold his soul to Satan. Officially <laughs> on the record, you. officially on the record. I, first of all, I respect that you're sticking to it. I wouldn't want you on this podcast <laughs> if you weren't going to. So automatically respect. But well, and to, on that point of your soul, that's what this song is about. Is his literal soul, yeah, and his literal soul matters to him, and so you don't have to. I don't. I don't buy this bullcrap that people. It's like you have to be like you have to go through drug addiction or alcohol or whatever, or like lose your family oh, no. or somebody die. Yeah. Like no, no, no. Your soul matters too, and people that go through legitimate existential crisis. existential soul type of of crisis, which is what this song is about, to me, and also this song is is deeper than that, even that because it's a it's a story as old as time, from what we do like if you don't if you want to take the soul part out of it i mean he's obviously talking to god but even if he weren't there's an there's a clear way that this applies to human to human relationships as well you know yeah. the, the fact that we yeah, he makes that we are we are obviously reliant on other people and we don't really like that about ourselves we don't want to admit that we are yeah. because we feel weak whenever we admit that we're relying on other people but we also really like that we're relying on other people in some in some certain ways right and so that's kind of the other thing that this song can can be about. Whenever you you, you know you look can, at the can I throw you an olive branch here? Sure. Yeah, I would love that. Okay. A, a lot of blues songs <laughs> are just about guys tomcatting around right. town too. <laughs> right. So <laughs> you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm one of my favorite songs by Howlin' Wolf is "I'm a Backdoor Man." I like blues. Yeah, and he I literally like just says yeah, that yeah, over know, and over I think again. That was. Uh, and I like good instrumentation too. Don't get me wrong. But you don't like Memphis. I'm talking about like Mississippi Delta blues, like uh, Muddy Waters, Howlin' Wolf. Well, frankly, people who came behind them did it better. <laughs> if we're being honest, uh, I mean the 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 almond the almond brothers the almond brothers took a lot Delta of these blues. old Mississippi blues artists and redid their songs, I made agree them popular, with you. I agree and they with you. blow them out of the water. Yeah, blow them yeah. out of the water. I, it just it, there's something about, and maybe it's because I'm from Mississippi. I feel like the blues is on a different level um, because it's, it's, there's, yes, I will give you some, some, I'll, I'll give you some leeway there with the lyrical part of it because a lot of it is them going through something. And you can, not only can you feel it in their voice, you can feel it in that <laughs> guitar that they're playing with. Yeah. Okay. But see, they, I think we're fair enough. I mean, have that, you, right? But I mean, you've heard their other stuff. Like they have good guitars. Yes, like they have, they play good guitar parts. They have on the uh, good black, tone. Black Mile, yeah, yeah, Black yeah. Mile. I, I listened to that one on the way up here, and there was there was a few songs in there that I was like, 
uh, that I, I really liked. I liked the moth. I liked um, the uh, the sunshine, mm-hmm. and I loved the way they transitioned from the sunshine to the grocery. Yes, yes. I thought that was awesome. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yep. I mean, yeah. I was, I was, I was. Dry. You redeemed yourself, I think, in yeah. the eyes of Presby Bar. <laughs> well, he's, well I'm, I'm going down the road, and, but I'm and, just saying that to say, made, like, the guitar that was that way for a reason in this song. Right. Like, it's not because they suck. It's not because no, they no, can't. I'm not saying they suck. Right. I, just because oh, I, I don't like it doesn't mean squat. Yeah, you know, I just didn't like it. No, the guitar's not good in that. Right. Song. Well, it's it, it just it just didn't interest me. Yeah. It just didn't interest me. The, the, it, the, this is really this is a debate that 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 we've had for years. I mean, this years. is not we. I really am a little upset that we are not talking about the river. I love this topic, <laughs> but like this is this you is you know a what 40, we're not talking about is it. because it's so boring. Nobody this else is talk about this it. is a two hour long like conversation about how wrong you are about yeah. music, and that's yeah. what's going to be hard about this is that like this is honestly this is almost like. There's, there's, I don't know. I can understand why y'all have not come to any resolution over yeah. the years, is because there's really no point because there's, it's completely diametrically opposed viewpoints. Yeah. On what, on what. Well, I think you said not too long ago. To there's, it's, it's objective and subjective. Yeah. I've like, never said he's wrong. Like I've never su- said you were wrong about about what you think about it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to tell you, this is what, how I think about it. Yeah. And Which I, I do find interesting. I've always yeah. found interesting how how people. And we've talked about this before too. Consume everything. I mean, mm-hmm. consume music. Yeah. It's just interesting. I'm super into like the technical side of yeah. of of sound, you know, and how people get the sounds that they get, and music, and all that kind of stuff. Specifically, I don't really know how to phrase it anyway than what we've already talked about without repeating myself. But don't you think what makes Manchester? This is maybe a horrible take. What makes Manchester Orchestra great is very subjective. It's hard to describe why. No, it's a. It's it is for me. They have good lyrics and they fit the songs to the lyrics perfectly. Like that's their that's their thing to me is that they have. They no, I mean I love Manchester Orchestra, but I'm sitting here thinking in my own mind. It's hard for me to describe what makes me love them so much. I, I do think that it, that they are rare in that uh, he is one of the few vocalists in that genre who sings every song the way that you feel when you're hearing it. Mm. I'll, I'll, that's what I'll I'm saying. Like I'll toss another olive branch. Completely agree. His yeah. voice fits. Mm-hmm. His voice that's what fits. I'm saying. It yeah. doesn't matter really to me whether it's like technically good or yeah. not, like objectively good. The point is that what makes it what makes their music objectively good is the way that they fit all of the pieces Theme. together mm-hmm. in the right way for that song. Like I said, I would like argue the national do the same thing. Yeah, yeah, the national does it. The river, they're obviously better musicians than what the river is. They can play more technically. Like they're gifted. They, I mean, probably even, even lyrically. Gifted. I mean, but they what could I, do they could do? Well, what I'm saying is, is that like, it, and they know that. But people who set out to every song show you how impressive of a musician they are is not interesting. See, that's not interesting to me. I want you to show me how impressive of a musician you are while also fitting it into the art the right way. To me, like good instrumental music is just like like, like this crappy modern art where it's just like splats against the wall, as opposed to like Picasso. No, like. Or, I mean, or like Van Gogh. Like yeah. Van Gogh is telling you something in a painting. And it's not just like, well, it's up to you. Yeah. Or it's not just like technically good. It's actually like maybe it is or isn't good. Like, I don't know if it is or not. It, Wasn't there sure a meme about be. this this week? There was like some. I don't know. Uh, was there? Yeah, there was uh, some uh, apparently artists go at each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like uh, I think it was, there was a Picasso painting okay. of a particular street. And there was another painting over here by this oh, other this person, and it was like bell. it was like it was realism versus and right, and they're like obviously the realism it looked exactly like if you were walking on. I mean, it was 
it like was, technically it looked like you yeah, took an actual yeah, picture, right? right? And the realism people were like, you know, this is great art, you know, and, and the other people were like, no, this is that's this a really good Picasso way of framing it. Yeah, it is, is is great for this reason. You know, yeah. I wish y'all had seen that because I think it would sum up. And exactly I, I kind of yeah, like both. That's a good point. Yeah, and I do too. That's yeah. that's yeah. the thing. There's room for both. Yeah, there is. I got both. no issue with that. Yeah. At all. I'm just saying that, you know, now I picked the river and I love this song and we had to spend 45 minutes not talking about the freaking song. <laughs> Take the hint. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great song. Uh, and like I said, I'm, read, I specifically, I'm reading over the lyrics now I specifically again. thought you would like it, Bourbon, yeah. and I haven't even gotten to get your thoughts on it. Grace taught a debtor daily I'm strained to be. God, how I feel it. Better prod to your feet. Yeah, it, you know, changed up the lyrics a little yeah. bit for the right way. Yeah. I thought it was great. It is. Can you read that again, please? Grace taught a debtor, daily I'm strained to be. God, how I feel it. Fetter pride to your feet. It's a reworking of a 457. <laughs> yeah. In the Trinity hymnal. Yeah. It's, um, and again, where it is in the song as the last verse, yeah. sort of like at the end of his his struggle, is what's what makes it, what makes it good, you know, is that, and of course, you know, also not only in music, it's been done a lot in music, but also just in other like novels and art, like a river, you know, is sim- is symbolic for washing clean, you know, like that's, there's been a lot of songs. Well, Springsteen's got a song, the river, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of river um, symbology in mm-hmm. anyway. And so just using that and then up against the fact that like he keeps wanting to go to the river, you can't tell if he goes and then, is dirty again, like if he's getting yeah. clean and then getting dirty, or if he's just never actually feels yeah. like he's there at all, you know? And so it's just that sort of stuff. Anyway, I just thought it was really, I think the song is like really, especially for early in their catalog, I think it's interesting because I think it shows. So the earlier throughout this album in the same album, I think they have some pretty technically good music and stuff. I mean, they have some interesting, especially like I said, guitar tone that you can tell they play around with. And it's like really, different and cool the way they play they'll play multiple guitars together in different like slightly different tones the guitars almost harmonize like vocals would in this album it's really cool the way they do it and then in this song but their lyrics were kind of just okay throughout a lot of the album and then in this song i think you get like not good instrumentation which i think they do on purpose and then like some of their better lyrics which i think is like almost a transition to how the band would continue to mature and grow into their next album, which would be still pretty guitar heavy, but a lot better lyrics and still like good tone. It gets a little better. And then we get black mile, which is just like somehow their fifth album is their best one, which is a rare feat too, you know, for a lot of bands. I mean, to get, we've talked about this to be good at five and maybe best at five. Like that's tough. Yeah. That's not that easy. And so maybe they needed that time, which, you know, um, and I've, I've never really, I guess I'm not in, I'm not an artist in any way musically. And I guess I, I would love to ask somebody who's kind of in a successful band like that. When you're writing songs like this or anything where you think like, uh, this is a very strong point of mine in, in this song in particular, do you hold back? Like, do you hold back on a, yeah, on your guitars yeah. or do you hold back on the, on the drum? So, so that whatever you're trying to focus on does get the attention that you want it to. It's it's been really cool because Manchester Orchestra has a Patreon right now that they're going through their Simple Math album from 2010 for the 10th anniversary, and they are talking about okay like on a podcast they're having each each song to the album as an episode like 45 minutes where they talk about like what they were thinking and why they did this with certain stuff and and 
really cool. Just from I, I love to do this with any band. I don't even care if I like the band. Yeah, I just li- I love listening to artists oh, talk about their what they did and why they did this. And I just you ever seen Heart of Darkness? Way more interesting <laughs> than Apocalypse Now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, anyway, we have anything else to say about this song? Uh, no, I will ask a question though. Okay, just to kind of uh, this is my olive branch. How do you feel about the shins? I keep hearing y'all talking about them, and I've I've just took y'all's advice and hadn't listened. Yeah, Great. I think you should keep doing that. Just hadn't listened. I mean, Great. it's if if I had to guess what they sounded like or what they were at least trying to sound like based off the name alone, they would it would be going towards that era of the Strokes, kind of. And what was that was another band that was just awful. I can't remember what they were. It was another the band. Yeah, it was another the the um, Sums. <laughs> They were a well, yeah. They're like a poppier Strokes. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like a bunch of New York dudes who are trying to act like they're from London. Yes, yeah, that's exactly right. That's I've much never it. listened yeah. to a song of theirs. I'm just guessing. Yeah, except they actually are trying to sound like a bunch. They're a bunch of New York dudes, where they actually are pretending to be a bunch of New York dudes who are pretending to be a bunch of London dudes who are trying to make more poppy American music than the London music. Bring the London music to American. Simple pop song mainstream. is like the worst song ever. That's how bad I they hear are. it in my head right now. I'm, now I'm intrigued. I've got to check it out. It's too complicated now. They're so bad, maybe they're good. All right, let's move on to our topic of the week. I'm going to leave you the first chance I get. I'm going to leave you the first chance I All right, time for our topic of the week. We got the blood flowing, the juices are going now, so it's uh we're going to do an, an uneducated guess first. This week, we, we had a hard time coming up with a topic, and uh, Bourbon Ghost came up with a great idea, as he is wont to do. Why don't you tell us about Sometimes. it? So, I guess when we first started talking about this podcast, maybe it was last year, you and somebody, I don't know who it was, had a, a list of topic ideas, and then over the next couple months, we added... Wasn't it Moderate, moderate Anarchist? Yeah, Frank, shout out okay. Frank Capistan. Yep. I think me and your hardest maybe added another 20 topics to it. And I think since then, we've done one topic that was on that list. <laughs> well, COVID hit. You yeah, know, COVID so. hit. So we, we thought... No, we never bring up anything from that Started list. as a COVID we, yeah. podcast. We, we thought it'd be kind of a fun idea to take some of those and just draw names out of a hat. Ooh, so this week, we have six, six ideas we put in a hat. We have not prepared. We have not prepared. It's going to be off the cuff. We even have a guest with us, so we don't know anything about where anybody's... Well, you probably know more about where we stand on things from listening. We don't know you at all. So it should exactly be fun. How I like it. <laughs> no, you're wild right. card, baby. I, I will say, you know, saying. you you mentioned this in the intro. Y'all only known Hawk for an hour. It feels like y'all have known him for longer than that, just based on the the rapport in the room already. I kind of like it. I that's, agree. That's how my mind ninja works. Uh, yeah. I'm making I my friend. Well, we got six topics, and I guess we'll kind of go over them as they get drawn. And we may not get to all six. We may. We're just going to talk until we get tired of talking. I'm hoping we just do one. Just one. Well, I, you think we can carry it? Well, we've already had a pretty extended yeah, intro true. and music, which is fine. It's been great. 
So, I mean, we don't have to go for forever. Okay. And, you know, we're pretty good at talking about things when we don't know what we're talking about. It's, it's kind of liter- our brand. It's literally the brand of the podcast. This is true. So, what better way to, to illustrate an uneducated guest by literally not researching before we talk I about the topic? I can't argue with that. So, okay. all right. So, let's, let's pull the number all generator right. and I'll tell you which topic it shows. Number six. Oh, man. Okay, this won't be bad. Topic number six, you wrote systems over goals. All right, so since you wrote the topic down, or I guess we wrote it at some point in time. Yeah. I think you actually wrote this one on the Google Doc a long time ago. I don't, I don't know because I don't really know what it's about. <laughs> Are you sure? Did you yeah, just it copy? it just sounded interesting. I copy and pasted, yeah. Did you just copy and paste this? Well, maybe yeah. I did it, or maybe Frank Capistan did it. We should have had him on. It sounded interesting. It's talking systems. about Scott Adams, so I guess I probably did it. I don't remember. Systems versus what? Systems over goals. Systems over goals. So I know what this is talking about, so maybe I am the one that Break it down. All right, so basically what we wrote at some point in time in the past on the Google Doc is that uh, there is a core difference. The core difference between right and left is how they view cause and effect in society, not how they view view values. Uh, There's an opportunity to present the the right-wing vision without anyone being aware, and then it says, see Scott Adams... Uh, systems over goals. Yeah, that description just sounded interesting enough that I would well, listen to you it. You know, I'd, I'd actually 100% know what this is about okay. now. And I'm going to shoot you straight. I think we shouldn't talk about it. Okay. <laughs> and this is why is because uh, I do, I know a couple people who have like some very, very good thoughts on this that are, that are better than mine and any of ours. And I almost don't want to blow it. Okay. Because yeah. I, I, I absolutely think we should come back to this. Okay. Because it's a really good topic. But have like Frank I said, Capistan I didn't even look at this document, so I didn't know this was on here. Or I probably would have been like, no, 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 we got to save this gotcha. one. But Frank this Capistan is how off is, the cuff we yeah, are. This is literally... That was one of the ones I was hoping to get. <laughs> Frank, I want to hear that from Frank Capistan. Yeah, because he's mouth. got a really good... He He's one of them. He's got some really good takes on this. And it. I think it would be really good because it does tie into some of the stuff we've talked about in our last two or three episodes, specifically with me mentioning that I'm post-mill now. Yeah. And it goes with this. What does that mean? <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's a view of the end times in, like, you know, Christianity. Like, uh, you could post-mill basically means that uh, we believe that the, the world will become more and more Christian over time, and then the Lord will come back after that. You know how Ben's parents were, like, super into Left Behind? It's like the opposite. It's like the exact opposite okay. of that. Okay, I'm, st- I'm still not following. But yeah, but even just that description should let you know that we're probably right. Uh, fair enough. Yeah, yeah fair it's enough. the opposite of that thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I've noticed, I've noticed that Gear Hardest is the Ben. I could see that. He's the Ben of the group. Can y'all... We love Ben. Are we gonna That's have not to, a bad thing. Who's Ben? Are we going to have to bleep this the whole time? Nah. Y'all don't want to nah. say his name, he won't do listen. Nah, he don't care. Oh. There's no way. But I mean, I mean is, that how, gonna, I mean, is that going to dox either of you? Nah. No, yeah, if, if you don't know, if you don't know, if you don't know a person named Ben, I don't know a single Ben. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point. Look, I'm just looking out for you guys. That's all. I'm just trying to make sure everybody. We don't want to get some of us have already, again. Somebody, again. some of us has already had bad experiences yeah. with that in this room, so we don't want to have to do it again. Okay, pull another number. This time, do one through five. I'm sorry. I should. We should have. No, we shouldn't have prepared one. No, this, this is make, good radio yeah. on brand. Uh, four. Okay, I think you'll like this one, Gearhardus. Mm-hmm. Late stage capitalism. Are, didn't you put this in here? No. Oh my gosh, who put this in here? Okay, that all right, me. cool. Yeah. All right, good. All okay. right, late stage capitalism. Are we on the verge of a resource based economy? 
You have two bullet points. Do you want me to read them? Sure. Yeah, yeah. The difference between perceived capitalism and actual capitalism. Oh, geez. We already heard you two have a yeah. little bit of this. Okay, this will be good. We can re- renew that discussion. Yeah. And then the other is, what is a resource-based economy and how would it work? All right, I have zero thoughts on this off the cuff, So, but I feel like I will in response. Okay. That's kind of where I shine anyway. So okay. go ahead. Do we? Does everybody in the room know what a resource-based economy is? I actually had to look it up. On why don't you explain here. it for the? Because okay. somebody at home they yeah. don't know. Yeah, don't That's forget we I have an audience. Occasionally, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and, and I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on this, but essentially, of course, because you're not. Yeah, none of us are. The 3D printing is sort of the beginning stages of this, where um, we all have access to the ability to create what we need when we need it. We're not. We're. It's. It's a an alternative to capitalism. Is that kind of like when people say the internet is a right and not a service type thing? I don't know. Internet access is a right. I don't know. Not almost like a civil right type thing. I don't. I don't know. I wouldn't think so. So what? So that's what you're saying. You're saying your resource based economy is the opposite of a capitalist economy. Well, it's just it's it's a much less reliance on the current system because you basically have the ability. Um, to do what you need with what you have. It's the idea that um, these these goods are getting both the technology is increasing and slash and or the goods are getting cheaper. Like for instance, you don't need the same amount. Like it's already it already has happened through capitalism, right? Like you already have metal now. Like mm-hmm. you can buy metal. Yeah. We can buy metal. You don't have to have oil and then turn it into metal. Like right. So it happens along the way. And so now, for instance. You don't even need metal to make a gun. Yeah. You just need plastic and yeah. a 3D printer and you can make a gun. So like yeah. now we don't need several different steps of the division of labor. Mm-hmm. You just need the resources and you are the labor, you yeah. know, and so the and the resources are getting easier and easier to get. That's kind of my very yeah. loose understanding of what no, this is because I've is. heard it talked about, but I don't know. I'm not a And with the ability to to share things online, I mean you can download yeah. blueprints for a gun. Yeah. And print it out yourself at home. Like, I don't need the intelligence anymore because we just have the resources to yeah. do it. And pretty soon, AI is going to be able to even take over that part for everybody else. Right. Okay, so. So what's the argument? Let's go with, well, first, before we get on that, let's go with this first topic because I think that'll get us rolling. And that is the differences between perceived capitalism and actual capitalism. Yeah. So we were actually somehow got on this at the beginning of the podcast and the, uh, the jungle, the cutting Everyone's room floor Everyone's, uh, yeah. that maybe some of these tapes will make it out for this week. But BG, why don't you tell us kind of what yeah, you mean by and, that? And, and maybe I guess I, I do get a little um, pedantic at times with this. No, no, no. Just tell us. To, we'll, okay. we'll tell you if you are or not. I get really irritated, and this happens daily, where I will see um, leftist, socialist upset at capitalism as if somehow what we have in America is capitalism. And I, I'm constantly at war with them, even though I know it's doing no good because they know that they're wrong too. They don't care. They're lying to get what they want. Um, that we don't have we don't have capitalism in this country. We very clearly do not have capitalism. We don't even have... Arguably never have, really. Yeah, I don't, I don't even... Call, like, even the term crony capitalism bothers me because it's not even crony capitalism. It's It's, to me, far more nefarious. Would anybody disagree with that? No, no, not necessarily. I mean, I don't disagree with the, you know, it just gets into definitions. I mean, I don't disagree with the idea that it's, I just, I view the term crony as, as a negative, and I guess you don't yeah. see it as that much of a negative. I do. I think, I think I just have to, 
I'm weird about the way I hear things, and, and it sounds like it's just some chummy old thing, right? You know, it just doesn't yeah. sound as. Nef- and I, that's like you want it to be like, like, like a 40s ra- radios talk, talk. <laughs> yeah, 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 like yeah, okay. It just like those guys that talk real fast, yeah. like from yeah, the public see? broadcast, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> and a lot of things yeah, out with my cronies, say. Yeah, <laughs> perception is reality, and when you hear just oh, it's just chummy, it's just friends doing things for each other to help each other out. It's definitely it more nefarious than that. Yeah, and I, I'm totally fine with using a more nefarious term if we need to. But I'm just saying, I just don't want it to be identified with. Yeah. I just want. I'm fine with crony capitalism over just straight capitalism. Yes, that's yes. all I'm getting at. So, like, I agree. I thought at first you were just anyway. Yeah. So I don't really. I don't care. I don't care what term you fascist corporatism corporatism even. I actually kind of like, like that the, one. I actually kind of like the term corporatism because it. I does think that's have a Ron Paul one too. Did he? It? Did he? I don't. Be. I'm not sure. The only the only reason I say that is because you remember Michael Moore made a movie, a, a documentary about socialism, right? And Ron Paul had like a little response where yes. he said, "Yeah, I, I agree with him almost a hundred percent on a lot of the stuff, but it's corporatism. It's not capitalism. Yeah. That's the problem." I forgot all about that. What a great yeah. throwback. Speaking of, how great is Ron Paul? He's one of the guys that, like, 100% I owe everything to, ideologically. You know, He was our Bernie Sanders. He was. I mean, they're, ideologically, they're not the same, but, like, the movements, you watch those movements, yeah. like, I, and honestly, there were a lot of people who crossed over to that Absolutely. because they really weren't into the Ron Paul, like, ideology as much as they were some of the other stuff, or they were just kind of, like, lefties, Right. Who were good with a new guy, mm-hmm. you know? But he wasn't afraid to say the crazy thing that just needed to be said. Yep. The the way Bernie it did the same yep. thing. Yep. And um, yeah, I, back in the two thousands, yeah, I was a big Ron Paul. Fan. People forgot that in two thousand twelve, he won the Iowa caucus. Yeah. Yeah. And it got buried. I actually forgot till you just said it. <laughs> yeah. They buried it like they yeah. were determined. He won the. I mean, is that for him? That's a huge oh, yeah. deal. Huge. Huge. You know. But anyway, he. Like what he did to to uh, Rudy Giuliani on the debate stage in 2007 just will forever live as one of my favorite moments that I've ever witnessed live as it was happening. I just couldn't believe that it was happening, but and it changed it changed me. I mean, it complete it li- it literally changed my don't life. Don't you think Ron Paul change is kind of life changing because he he at least for me he taught me what self determination and and um what what a free market would look like to, at to least me, at least he. He made me think deeper than just the Republican yes. main party cut taxes. I was of. sort of like a W, like neocon. Yeah, kind of exactly. If you know what I mean, we grew up in the South. That's kind of, but like Ron Paul showed me what real principle was. Mm-hmm. And so outside of political ideology, it's like what he showed was like it, there was a way to be ideologically consistent that I had not been aware of yeah. at the time. And it was like life changing philosophically for me. But anyway, that's kind of a side. I think topic. you're starting to see a lot of the fruits of that today i think yeah, so. i think so too i think don't you don't you think the new right owes a lot to ron paul they have a they, ron paul has influenced the new right a lot i mean mm-hmm. especially the parts that aren't from the old left but even the old left like loves ron paul the guys like dave rubin or like a, the weinstein brothers and stuff like they like ron paul yeah and again it's partly because of the principle like how principled he is you don't have to agree with that guy to respect him he's for instance he's in the republican party in the south and has never been on record politically talking about his faith. And he's like a lifelong, legit Christian Baptist. Yeah. Never used it for political gain, right? Yeah. As opposed to like all the fake Christians oh, yeah. in the South or whatever that just use it, like want some video shots of them going to church. He like intentionally 
does not talk about it in public because he actually holds his faith good, like to personally to him, and doesn't want it to appear as though do he's you know, abusing. Do you him. know what issue that he actually woke me to before? I, before I would have said, you know, I was still dispensationalist at this time, but he even before I stopped being a dispensationalist made me be like, oh, we shouldn't support Israel. Right, right, yeah, that was a big one. You too, know, that was like a big. I, I remember that. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because yeah, I thought it was, I was like, I don't know if I can get that. I was like, I don't know if I can. this time, especially. No, yeah. You did not yeah. Post 9 11, yeah. like, yeah. Those, the Muslims were like, that was the thing, you know. And yeah, I was you like, I really like Ron that. Paul, but, you know, these, they say this is God's chosen people. Can so. I tell you guys something in confidence and to our listeners? So, like, I don't know if I, I don't think I've mentioned this on the podcast. I don't even know if I've told y'all. So, back in like March or late February, whenever we were all still taking like COVID very seriously like we thought it was a legit concern we're a little ahead of the curve and also we're still a little thought okay this could be a huge deal right ron paul wrote a did i send it to y'all when he wrote it i don't think so he wrote a ron paul report and it was like how much of a hoax this is beware of the government taking your freedoms because of this all this stuff and i sent it to one of our our mutual friends and i was like oh man it really bothers me that ron paul wrote this i really think he's off here this time and like yeah. a month ago i found that article again and sent it to my friend again and yeah. i said and i literally said that son of a bitch was right again i mean <laughs> good grief like what i should that should have been yeah. my moment i should have trusted him again i can find that article i'll send it to okay. y'all i will post it in the show notes even okay. because i don't he wrote it like in like it was like march maybe unbelievable that he can do this yeah and be right whenever it was the opposite of what everyone else was saying. I mean, myself included, and I'm like an anti-government guy, and I was like, no, nah, this might be a big deal. Yeah. Freaking yeah. Ron Paul. Well, you know what else he does? is He's the reason that we, that we admit that we were wrong. That's true. Because when you stick to your principles like that, you're not afraid That's to admit That's a great it. point. And I feel like all of us have mm -hmm. not been afraid to admit any of that. I had a sticker on my car whenever I was in college that said Ron Paul was right. Yeah, that's all the stickers. I love that. It's like my favorite sticker. Of I kind of still want that sticker. Me too. <laughs> well, how do we get on Ron Paul? Well, I don't care because it's worth it because the man deserves mm -hmm. it. Yeah. But we're talking about capitalism and crony yeah. capitalism. Hawk sent me a video this week about there's a there's a YouTube channel called uh, Answers with Joe, and we've had topics through you and me just kind of off podcasts. We've talked about the Pareto principle and the zip mystery and sure. things like that. That's where I get all these things from. Oh, okay. This guy's okay. got a lot of this kind of things. He had a video this week about, is this the end of capitalism? And that's sort of how we kind of got on this. Yeah, and I thought it would be interesting. Yeah, it, it was, but but it's sort of where me and him, I got really irritated because this guy kept calling what we have capitalism. Right. That's one of my, probably my least favorite things about the bemoaning of the late, of late stage capitalism is this like, and you know, maybe there's a fair point to it if you want to call what we're in right now late stage capitalism, and that this is what capitalism leads to with the government. It leads yes. to these things. It's in its last stages of of any sort of form of capitalism. Like I could buy that, yeah. If that, but that's not what they exactly really mean, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that I do think that terms are important. Like meanings, like words have meanings, and they should have meanings. But language is so tricky because it also has a subjective element mm -hmm. to the hearer. So it doesn't matter. Like, it's not about language. I'm not saying language is ultimately subjective, as in there are no definitions to words. What I mean is that the way that it, language and communication works is it's subjective. I mean, just there's a difference, for instance, in the way you communicate over the phone and in person. It's subjective because there are other things in communication than just your words and all that kind of stuff, right? So I won't belabor the point, but... 
the trouble that we're in now is what you're referencing is that how are we going to talk about the end of capitalism or fixing capitalism if we don't even really understand exactly what it is? Which is sort of what my point was, was the answer to what, what he thinks late stage capitalism, like what's our answer to it? It's the free market. Yes. <laughs> but, but when you don't understand that what we don't have, we never had the free market, you don't understand that that's the fix. The answer is to capitalism in your definite, in your idea is, I hate to tell you, real capitalism. Exactly. That's the answer. <laughs> So that's that's kind of the the this was the crux of where I would have issues in college. Like I mean, I always reference college because that's pretty much the last time we all got to have these really good conversations because we didn't have like things back when to you do. could still do that in college. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, yeah, man, I think I would freaking hate college. Oh now. yeah, I think so too. I, I feel I feel well, I, don't I don't feel bad because no college nobody should go. But look, right. this is this is one thing that we need to do off podcast at some point. All of us is we need to really sit down and plan what our kids' futures are going to look like in that regard. Because I don't want them to go to college. Yeah. Unless it's going to be for something like engineering. I just don't want them to go. Yeah, no. And sure. I mean, my kid's 10 years away from me. My oldest is 10 this, years away. This is why we need the compound, I know, folks. I know. Regenerative agriculture and farming is going to be our, our ticket, if you want my opinion. I'm fine with that. I'm down. You know, Always been Maybe we'll talk about that on a podcast episode. One of the things that I think we're having, uh, kind of we've, we've kind of alluded to it, is people have an issue with uh, they don't the definitions of of terms are subjective, they change from person to person. Yeah, and we're in a society that can't even decide on which denomination they are. We're, we are in a society that can't even decide how many genders there are. Are we really surprised that we can't even figure out which side of the political aisle that we're no, really on? Not surprised. Not at all. Yeah, I mean. I actually don't know what I mean. I don't know where I was about to go with that, but I think you brought up a really good point. And we have no basic sense of morality to know that it's wrong to take someone else's money, aka taxes, away from them so that I can benefit. And this is another reason why I've sort of stopped using the term anarcho-capitalism and just used anarchist is because I used to think that the key to anarchy was capitalism, but now I actually think that the key to capitalism is anarchy. Yeah. And so I actually think that the most more yeah. important thing would be anarchy. Like the most important thing to focus on right now is is anarchy. You know, our our ideological self. So many people though are writing this off just because you're using the word. Yeah, it doesn't anarchy. bother me though. Yeah, I've gotten to a point. I used to. It used to bother me in that sense. I would not use the word because people would stop listening. But and I'm say Romans new, thirteen. Yeah, I'm taking yeah. a completely new tactic now, which I think has been very effective. Which is sort of. I think you guys have seen me sort of use it and it be effective, which is just sort of go ahead and hit people with with red pills, like just go on and like just go on and do it. There's really no easing into this. Yeah. Uh, and then they will begin to think about it. And as they pull back, they sort of end up coming around. Yeah. Well, every time anybody has a question, and this is well, this is one of the things I love about it. Anytime somebody has a question where they think it's a gotcha moment, like for instance, in one of my group messages, I'm talking about this and one of my friends says, what about you know it would look just like africa no it would look just like africa you're going to have warlords pop up and my response is what what do you think led to those warlords in africa they were, they were not an anarchist state it was a centralized government it sounds racist they popped up out of yeah. a centralized uh, state immediately they didn't pop up africa. out of africa right i mean they didn't pop up out of see you just made me say africa because you're <laughs> saying it they didn't pop up out of a anarchist state they popped up because of the state yeah yeah i mean that's what I love about it. You can just say something like that and then walk away, and they're they're sit left there to sit there and think like, dang it. Let me 
Maybe my thoughts are wrong on this. Let me ask you a really hot button question okay. here. I'm gonna I'm gonna say a hot button term here. Do you think there's a place for Marxism right now? What do you mean a place for it? All right. If you look back at the history of Marxism, and in the video that we were referencing, he talks about how every system has a time, and it's it may be good for the time that it was in, and at the time, um, Marxism wasn't that bad of an idea. Uh, some of the elements. How so? Of, well, because the labor, uh, the workers and stuff were being so exploited, and things like that. And um, I mean, its critiques weren't bad, but its solution is terrible. Oh, its solution! I'll, yeah, I'm not going to debate that. I'm just talking about the ideas that behind some of Marxist's philosoph- Marx's philox- philosophies mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, you know, everybody throws that out now, and you know, I don't necessarily subscribe to Marxism. I haven't dug really deep into it. Um, but I, th- you know, what's wrong with asking the question? Nothing's wrong with asking. You know, yeah, what, I mean, wrong, you know, because I have a feeling that some of what is going on today, yeah, is because of what led to Marx's ideas becoming popular to begin with. The problem is in today's society, people are too stupid to um, realize that they're not as oppressed and they don't have it as bad as what the people. But that, but that's what Marxism is 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 focusing on being oppressed and finding your identity and being oppressed. And I don't, I don't think there's a, I don't think it's a bad idea to for the workers to come 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 together and be like, hey, Mr. CEO, who makes three hundred times the average employee, my entire see, my, my entire my, my entire uh, you know economic class, the middle class, has been completely decimated because of what you've done, and you know, and you're late, you know. Why you would the workers off of my tax dollars and off my labor? Well, tax dollars had, would be a different. He had situation, to, but he had but. to, you know, he had to risk all of his labor to start that business. No one grows a business and becomes a, a millionaire or billionaire without putting hours upon hours of. Well, nobody's debating that. So the, 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 I'm just saying the that question I, is: is can you really blame people for its reemergence? Yes. No, I can't. Well, oh, hang on. Okay, I can. I can totally understand why it has had a resurgence. Yeah, like, so I can understand you look that. at the separation yeah. of wealth, right? Like, but again, there's a difference between the a Marxist revolution built on the idea that the workers are upset about how much money the CEO makes or the owner makes, as opposed to being upset with the fact that he got it through tax dollars. Okay, so Bingo. that's a diff. There's a yeah. very those are two very to me like distinctly different things. But the reason why I don't buy into any anything along the lines of an argument that is as a separate, this is a little bit of a sidebar. I buy into nothing that relies on relativistic ethics, which is basically to say things, some things are right for their time and then not right for another, because the, the logical conclusion of that is pedophilia essentially. And I could go into a long reason why that's the case, but the, it's literally what California is using to pass the law. They just passed that. You can now not re- You don't have to register as a sex offender anymore. If it's same sex, uh, underage mm-hmm. relations. The reason is because it's normalized in the male homosexual community for an older man to mentor a coming out yeah. underage minor. And so therefore, relativistically, they can prove that within this culture, this is what is normal and what is ethical is what is normal, not a universal set of ethics that transcends time. space and time, which is what I believe. There are ethics that transcend space and time, not relativism, basically. And so... Marxism, if it's wrong, it's wrong. Now, that's different than saying that I can understand why people find it attractive and why it resurges, to your point. 
totally get it. And I don't even blame the people who get caught up in it. Like, I can totally understand and do not hold it against an individual. Like, even if I think they're totally wrong, I Mm -hmm. empathize with that feeling of seeing what's going on and seeing this as a solution and saying, you know what, this solution is better than what, like, they deserve it. You know, to look at it and say, they deserve what happens, but it doesn't make it right. Did you not just do exactly what BG was talking about, though? What's that? The whole slippery slope argument, though. I mean, what do you talk- mean? We're talking about a worker being No, upset, I believe, in, this, I believe that, in a slippery you, slope. Yeah. That you, but you went to, well, this is how this is how you get to pedophilia. You know what kind of like he was talking about? You feel like you got somebody in a gotcha moment, and they're like, well, we're going to end up being like the warlords in Africa. <laughs> no, no, no. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, like, we're not really talking about, I mean... Pedophilia. And, I was talking about relativistic you know, ethics, not Marxism. Yeah, Marxism yeah. doesn't okay. lead to pedophilia. Relativistic okay, ethics. I misunderstood what you said. Relativistic ethics saying that, like, something's leads to okay. pedophilia. Saying that something's okay because it's in its time. Yeah, so what I'm saying is that, saying that yeah, I would never say... Okay, because Socrates engaged in pedophilia, therefore... Okay. You know, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I misunderstood what yeah. you said. I, see, I, see, I was yeah, jumping yeah, around. Yeah, I, 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 I jumped now. off on a side I misunderstood thing, and I talked about Marxism, then jumped off a side thing for relativistic ethics, and then got back on Marxism. More to the point, he was saying in the video, kind of related to y'all's yeah. video, I think is what you were saying, is that he was kind of arguing like some things are okay in its time. Yeah. Marxism being one of them because of what was happening with the proletariat and the Bolshevik you know, the Bolshevik revolution in in Russia. And what I'm saying is is that even if I can empathize with why they did that, it still doesn't make it actually ethical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even so, if it's in some way it, to use uh, the word buzzword it, justified. Is it, fair, is it fair to say? I'm that just that totally at the odds because even in that discussion, I would say that the czars weren't really as bad as we're painted. They, they but, weren't. I'm saying, yeah. but even if they were, it wouldn't make it okay. Yeah. Even if they were as bad as they were. Oh painted, yeah, yeah. Relativistic ethics yeah. would tell yeah. you that it would be okay. I would say no. They're mm-hmm. still. It's still wrong to forcibly take somebody's property, even if you don't like how they got it. Is it fair to say that the 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 Marxism way of thought, just the political theory? Nothing wrong with it because it's just a thought. No, it is. And, it's based but, on no, but when it, when it's actually when actually you, I mean, I can think about killing somebody right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, no thoughts are like, wrong. That's what I'm saying. That's, in that that's sense. What I'm saying. So, if, but if it <laughs> if leads, wanna... if it leads to a society that actually has some common sense about them, and they can actually think from that. Are point you just of playing view, devil's advocate here? Yes. Okay. Because and they can, think, and they, can <laughs> they can they can think they can use this political philosophy to actually expand their mind to maybe. Say you have somebody that's, that's hardcore conservative, right? And then they read the Marx Manifesto, whatever it's called, right? <laughs> and it just kind of opens their mind to a couple of things they'd never really thought about before, okay? It doesn't mean he's going to go out and, and start stealing other people's stuff to better everything else. It's just, is it wrong or is it bad to use it as simply a thought experiment a way of looking at maybe no. maybe a different way of looking at things. No, I mean you know it's there's the application a, of it of it is, that is where it becomes the bad. Well, yeah, I, yeah. but then yeah, sometimes I, mean, I I do believe that your thoughts lead directly to your actions. Well, yeah, of course. It so, but I'm saying I'm saying the the Marxist ideology is fundamentally fundamentally immoral because it you're presupposing that someone else has something that you deserve. How inherently sinful of a mindset is that? That you know. <laughs> that I deserve what he has, yeah. therefore I'm I'm going to get the government to steal what he has and give it to me. So any form of taxation is really that. Yeah, it's well. I think for the, and for the record, I don't. Yeah. Oh no, no, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, I just I just like playing devil's advocate. <laughs> no, to me, 
to me, Amazon really is the perfect example of this because people currently, and I understand it, are so furious with Bezos and Amazon. And I don't like Amazon either. I'm not a fan of theirs. But they should be upset with the way that they rose to power because of the government. They should be upset with the yeah, government. Yeah, don't be upset this. with Amazon. Not with Amazon because you're just treating the symptom, not the disease. I, I will admit I'm starting to, um, I'm starting to lean towards being upset with both of them. Oh, that's fair too. Like, yeah, I, just don't write well, the I mean, government I would, out. I, mean, I think don't it's supported. Com- if you I'm don't just saying. Tip, I'll put it this way. What to your point? What what most people would do, and I think this is what it, specifically you're referencing, is they would say. Amazon is the problem, therefore we need the government to fix the problem of Amazon, yeah. right? Yeah. And you, what you're saying is, no, the government is a part of this problem. Yes. What I'm saying is that I, I'm no longer willing in this climate to also um, let off, like, let off the the owners of these businesses, of these corporations, because they know exactly what they're doing. Oh, absolutely. And they're, like, they are evil for doing it. Yeah. Like, the pursuit of money is not a... A an uh, inherently good thing. No, it's not. Like it's fine. I'm not saying it's it is immoral, but I'm saying it's not moral. It's not morally yeah. good inherently yeah. either. And so the point is, is that what I think is one of the perks of capitalism is it allows people to, uh, it allows diverse people groups to get along to yeah. to cohabitate mm-hmm. because the selfishness in capitalism, when left alone will lead to the greater good. So inherently, it uses humanity's greatest vice, which is its selfishness, each human's desire to stay alive and all this kind of stuff. It uses that to the benefit of the rest of people. That's like the good thing. But now we're at a point where you have to admit that that is not a good trait, right? And so Bezos has the ability to change that if he wanted to. He's probably the most powerful person in the world. He could change it if he wanted to without the government doing it. And he won't. So, again, it makes me the reason it makes me upset at him and at the government is because it is what creates Marxism. Yeah. Because if they were being more responsible, there would not be this same backlash. Yeah. Like, like I was saying, an understandable point of view. Yeah. Right. I just to don't. What's going on? Right. It's and understandable. It, yeah. But they're wrong. But it's understandable where they get there. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. So the go. So. My issue is that they never get upset with the government. Right, right. totally. Yeah. yeah, and I totally agree with that. I don't because I don't think that they have the mental capacity to get past that I, that I, that point. They see the figurehead of it's because they're left wing. Well, right, right wing yeah. people look at the government. Left wing people look at the business. Whenever right. both are actually the problem, right? Because Jeff because, Bezos could have stopped it right there. He yeah. could have said, "I'm not taking this. You know, these tax subsidies yeah, and everything I'm not else." Take them. And then the government's also at fault because they offered them up to begin with. And, and the point I'm making is is simply this: it's just that. The same way that we criticize Marxists for never looking at the government, we should also criticize neocon boomers and stuff for being okay with the government in the sense of, yeah, we yeah. definitely should have taxes, we definitely should do this, social this, security, this, but not, but but they but they're not okay with socialism. They would say, yeah. yeah, but you are right, and so it's the same thing. Marxists would say we're not okay with big business, and we're not okay with you being authoritarian, and the way we're going to do it. Is by being authoritarian and taking you over and stripping you of your yeah. of your goods, right? Well, that's not right because they're saying that the problem is the solution. Well, right wingers do the same thing. Mm-hmm. They never look at the business as the problem, right. and they only look at the government as the problem and say the way that we're going to solve this is with more government. Yeah, 
Once you let the devil in the door, you don't get to tell him what to do. Right. <laughs> so we kind of got into systems versus <laughs> that goals. That sounds like anyway. something my mom would tell me. Actually, and we yeah, got, we got into, into like systems systems or 14. Goals. That's actually kind of true. Too. We actually yeah, got into yeah. the, a little bit, and I did steal a little bit. Man, that was a good Frank Christian cliche little like thing that. you said. I yeah. Think I, just made it I think up. my dad used to say, you "Give the devil." I knew I never heard that. My dad used to say, "Give the devil an inch, and he'll take a mile." Oh yeah, I've heard that one. I like that one. Yep. Well, to me, to me, the reason Amazon is such a perfect example of this is. And this kind of goes back to sort of why the left doesn't understand it. The corporate press doesn't really talk to them about it. They don't really tell them what's going on. So I kind of did a little research on this because you and you and me, uh, Presby, got into a debate at some point with somebody about Amazon. I don't remember when it was. Yeah. It's maybe a month or two ago. And I started doing some research just to kind of see exactly what subsidies Amazon had been taking. And I was shocked. It's currently over two Billion, Why are we going to be shocked when Amazon is taking subsidies like, when the church is taking subsidies? You know who's the worst about this? That every, every like capitalist loves, every like free market bro loves, that who's the worst about this is Elon Musk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. His whole empire is built on government oh, yeah. money. His whole empire. I mean, just look at it. Yeah, I mean, is he a great innovator and stuff? Sure, but not through the free market. He's not an innovator through yeah. the free market. He's well, not you just some... put a on your head. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but he's not. You, yeah. you just just look at what he's how he has created the businesses he's created. It has been yeah. straight up government subsidies. I mean, the only way he ever sold any Teslas to begin with was because that huge tax credit you could get, like on gas because of energy saving. I mean, that was all yeah. government money. Not to mention what he got to build his stuff and to get going and all the stuff he got for like his ba- the battery stuff they work on. I mean, everything is yeah. stolen money. Yeah, it's all stolen money. So I'm I saw gonna, some people on Reform Twitter today making fun of the whole. They said uh, taxation is not theft. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I saw. All. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. We'll get on that another. Gonna, I'd love to see. How I think they I've talked to, to Hawk about this. I don't know if I've specifically talked to either one of y'all about this, but um, I, I keep bringing up Amazon. I'm going to dive deep into it because it really is fascinating. So they took all this subsidy money over the years, really the last 20 years to keep building new warehouses, to keep building, getting new land. And it's not just tax abatements. They would get 80 acres for 80 bucks from some places. Uh, they would get gas, water, sewer, electricity run to these places for free. Um, they would actually, in some cases get just hundreds of millions of dollars worth of grant money to buy all the machinery they could ever want. And they do this because the, the people, the mayors, governors, whoever in these States it's a notch on their belt. They get to say, we brought Amazon here. Here we go. Reelect right. me. Yep. And so it's the same thing. The football stadiums, baseball stadiums yeah. do in cities. It's exactly. the same thing. And so, I mean, because but we all people, pragmatically enable them because when we want something done, we go vote for you it. Wanna, yeah. You want to open yeah. a burger shop downtown. You're paying the full taxes. Exactly. You want to open a stadium. We're giving you everything, all the utilities for exactly. free. And yeah, all and everybody's stuff. fine with it. Yeah. So they've taken all this money over the years because the politicians who are in charge, it's a, it's a help. It's a way to help them get reelected. Well, Amazon will move into these places, and they'll. The promise is we'll we'll hire a thousand people, and at the end of the day, nine hundred ninety of those. This is what they don't tell you. Nine hundred ninety of those will be on food stamps and other federal subsidies, because they're making about three thousand dollars more than poverty level. And so, what's happening is you'll have a town in the middle of nowhere that might have ten, fifteen thousand people. They'll have an Amazon warehouse distribution center move in, and it will bring in a thousand people who are on food stamps. So now, not only have you crippled your local economy because the biggest retailer in the world isn't paying taxes, you're bringing a thousand low-income families into your place too. Mm-hmm. And it just, oh, it, these are the workers you're yeah. saying. And so you've got like three or four layers 
of how that's actually screwing over wherever they are. They're screwing you over on the front end because of the, the tax abatements and the subsidies. They're screwing you over because you keep getting these people that you're going to elect because you think they're doing the best thing for you. They're screwing you over because... But it makes it to where we can consume more. <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah. So... Makes it where we can consume. That's the that's what most not, people so, want. So it's not Jeff Bezos. It's not the government. We're the problem. That's <laughs> what I was going to actually make the argument for. We're the not problem. everybody here because some people have cut all this stuff out of their lives. I don't no, know I'm saying like well, some people. Some people still living in sin. Some some people are using an Amazon mic over here. Yeah, I was thinking more of like Jeez. how many people. You know, I mean, there. Are, I've heard some pretty good cases against taking Social Security and against taking these. We have churches. I mean, See, churches the that thing take, is, though, take it's the like, money. It's like, am I going to take Social Security? Yeah, because I've paid all of that. Like, that's my money. Right. Yeah. Like, except the way I mean, that's that's what, so, it, except the way Social Security is set up, it's not your money. That but money, it is. That, that money, though, is long gone. They, they, have, to, they have to currently take... Yeah, the but money that's away like, that's from like saying the money to you. Then you're against loans. It's the same principle. No, I'm, I'm just saying I can see where that argument stems from, that we do kind of enable the system by participating in it. No, in it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where we don't know what else to do. Right. Like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. So if you nobody have, else is yeah. going to get screwed, but I'm going to screw myself. Yeah. I, like, I, like, obviously, if they gave everybody the decision to opt out, and we didn't opt out. And and we would say it. we're yeah. culpable, right? We'd yeah. say, look, you're culpable for the system. You decided it. But we don't get to opt out. No. But then whenever it comes time to take the money, what, are you going to be the only one who doesn't take the money? But you already paid in. Yeah. Why would you not take out? That's your money. I mean, that's the literal argument that Ayn Rand made. You yeah. know, Rand got criticism late in her life because she There are capitalists like who will say that you shouldn't. That's what she said. Uh, it's her money. The, I, I, t- I retweeted a guy today, Walter Williams, you know who that yeah. is? Mm-hmm. And he, he kind of was like almost militant against like, uh, he, I saw a cross-politic interview that, I get it. that I he did with him. I, I know, but it's just, he was saying essentially, you know, we're in, we're headed toward Marxism and, the, and then the guys from cross-politic are, we're like, well, what can the church do? And he said, well, you could preach to your, your people not to take Social Security. See, but stolen. my thing is that's not going to stop yeah. the system. That's literally yeah. going to help the system. Like, why would we take an action that is going to not cripple the system? Like, it's going to cripple us. Leaving yeah, them, yeah. like, not taking money out. Taking money out is what's going to cripple it. Yeah. Leaving it in there, that like, you don't think that, you think, the, let me put it this way. That's like being would the government person. prefer you to take it or not? They would prefer you not <laughs> to take, take it because yeah. they don't have it. So why would we take an action? Like, I don't understand how that's a revolutionary decision. It's anti because, like. No, it's a defeat. This guy was t- taking very a defeatist, defeatist approach. Yeah. He said it's not going to, you know, it's not going to happen. Losing for Jesus. Yeah, like, I just, I just refuse yeah. to be that way. Like, I'm going to do what I can. And, like, again, that's why I don't have Netflix anymore. I do feel like I had that control. Yeah. Like I had that control to do that. My Amazon, they don't let you cancel if you've already paid. Yeah. So, but my Amazon is running out in January. I've already canceled it. It's not going to renew and I'm not going to have Prime anymore and I'm not going to buy stuff from Amazon because I do feel like like that's something that I can control. And again, this is going to be different for every person yeah. because I know no matter what I do, there's going to be some way you can trace it to something evil. That's kind I can't of, control whether the the shirts, every shirt that I have an option to buy was made in Taiwan or not. Like I can't control that, and I need shirts. Like I have to have them. I don't know where my toothpaste was. Don't made, don't you hate the argument? You're going to have to cut everything out. Yeah, like it's kind of like it's kind of like it's you like know, so. Let's cut nothing out. <laughs> 
People just say that, so it's like, so let's do nothing. Well, I refuse to take either of those positions. I'm just going to do some things. It's kind of like saying, well, if you quit smoking, you're going to have to quit drinking too. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, do I need Netflix? No, that's no. completely consumeristic. It's completely entertainment. It's, and yeah. they're and they're they're pedophiles. So why am I going to support that? I'm not going to anymore. Same thing with Amazon, you know. So anyway, I, I don't know what to do, but I mean, there's that's some things, but that's not the same thing as Social Security. It's just such a, to me, I just, I do not get that at all. No, I did. That was the first time I'd heard someone make the argument. Oh, yeah, it was I, kind of convincing. I don't know. Well, I just reversed the convincing, hopefully. I've been wanting, look I've been like it. I'm not at the age to take yeah, social that, security. You're, so. you're me every episode. I've been well. I've been sitting here just trying to figure out a way to contribute. It, well, not necessarily contribute, but a point that I want to say or get across. And all I can come up with is we are screwed. <laughs> That's the only thing I can, we are screwed because it is a vicious, vicious cycle. Well, and it's and we built it with our. It, here's the thing: as America, money. I mean, can be screwed. Here's the thing, though. Our, well, here's the thing. Again, here's your white pill because I don't think for, I don't think we're screwed. Not, this I, is why. As a even even white pill though, you don't think America as a that's a white that's a great thing. America is screwed, of course. Oh yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, but yeah. we're not. Right. That's kind of. That's I just mean point. we specifically because there are ways to still battle this. Now we're a little late. Like I wish we had started this twenty years ago. Like I wish we would have realized it, but we didn't, and that's okay. Now we do know. Now we are awake to it, so now we can take some some hard and fast actions. One of which is to, like, get a commune, bro up, like find some bros. That's going to be one of the first things that you need to do because you need to have people that are around you that will be willing to sh- have a show of force with you if necessary. Like that's gonna that's necessary for the world that we're about to enter. Mm-hmm. It just is. You need people that you know and trust that are willing to like get together and and, and do what needs to be taken. Secondly is you better start to find a way to have actual local community, not local community in the stupid church buzzword <laughs> term that they use it. Like seriously, find people and find ways to self-sustain as much as possible. I mean, that's why, you know, we've been talking about the the farming and all that kind of stuff. Like there's legitimate need for that sort of stuff now. And at least like we have to all admit we've grown up pretty soft and it's given better, we given better start to change true. that, like just relatively speaking, and we better start to change that kind of stuff. And we, we haven't even grown up soft relative to the rest of the world, but we've, we're still soft. Right. That's what's crazy. I mean, us yeah, I relative remember, to other generations. I remember, you won't be able to understand this, but I actually remember <laughs> what the world was like before the internet and cell phones. Mm-hmm. I still vividly. Before Y2K, imagine that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, so anyway, there, there are, and we could go into more than we have on some other episodes on on what we can do, but I, you know, I'm, I'm very hopeful for what this means because what it's going to do, the biggest thing that has been a, a detriment to us over the last 30 years has been the growth of government. The thing that's going to sort of shake our foundations. And that's not going to be fun because coming to that sort of psychological realization of what you've always known ending is not fun, but we'll be ready for it because we've been talking about it. And it's, it's the end of the thing that has probably been to our most detriment. Mm-hmm. So although it will shake us a little bit, it will be for the better in the long run. You just mean like the total delegitimate, like the entire collapse? Yeah, of, the self-segregation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the just the, the segregating of the country yeah. uh, and the collapse of the United States. I mean, you can pretty it. much just look throughout human history. And you know every that's time there's so a major p- empire, it collapses. It's not like the world gets worse. You yeah. know that's so I mean, popular, it's, it's Doug It's going to get better. 
Doug Wilson just wrote an article about the the theory about the self segregation or whatever. Did he? Yeah. Is that the sex robot guy? Yeah, <laughs> it is. There you go. See? Well done. That's awesome. Yeah. I see. I told you all. Listen. I, we and we do appreciate it, and we have thoroughly enjoyed having you on this I've this episode. Being here. And you had some great contributions. Fun. Got us all riled up about Marxism. That was good. Yeah, it really That's what was. I do. I'm, it really I'm was. Always the devil's advocate. Guy. It's good. I mean, it was it, well, and you made some good points too. I mean, yeah. uh, not just like I don't like devil's advocate, like for the sake of it, but I like it if it's actually intending to make a good point, which yeah. I think is what you did. So, I hate you didn't get to meet our uh, research assistant. Yeah, I know he mm. couldn't make it. Although, really, Jamie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's really not much to meet. Yeah. You didn't miss much. Well, y'all should have him on the show sometime. <laughs> he's we've tried. He doesn't want to. Every time he's. Three or four times we've asked him. He doesn't want to be on the show. The whole time I was well, in Montana. Him, like maybe call in or something. He just he doesn't want to be on it. He's just like, no, I refuse. Yeah. I, no, I, I, really, I was in Montana for three weeks. Yeah, I had a couple shows without yeah. me. He didn't want to do it. Yeah, I think we're too East Coast for him. Yeah. Well, guys, I enjoyed it. It's a good week. It's a, you know again, folks. If you did, if you thought that we were scattered and didn't know what we were talking about, we literally picked a a topic. At random before we started, so give us some credit. Oh, I, f- I feel like we have left a lot on the table. Oh yeah, for sure, yeah. a lot on the table. We actually picked a topic mid-topic. Yeah, because we had to go to the second option. That's true. That's, That's not right. bad. That's, That's true. Right. And uh, you're on the clock next for uh, our next uneducated guest. Am I? Yeah. Oh, I'm. I guess that's true. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna see. I need to get Frank Capistan mm-hmm. on here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> How great of a name was uneducated guest? I'm going to toot my own horn. That's oh, yeah. true. Oh, you were. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, that's that yeah, that is that's the greatest good. contribution anyone's ever made to this podcast, <laughs> yeah, including all of us. <laughs> yeah, so it was only fitting that we let you be an uneducated that's guest. So, Hawk, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it's great to meet you. Me. Maybe we'll Appreciate get to hang some fun. more tonight. You guys, got anything else? All Let's right, go hang we'll out back. Porch. Let's do it. We'll be back at you next week with a new topic and a new song with lyrical content. <laughs> all right, enjoyed it. Hope you all. Enjoy the show. We'll see you next week. See you then. See y'all.